0: Welcome to the by all means necessary world, the lovely voice of Maya. What? That was too, that was just too much, cut it out. That was too nice of me, okay? Hey fuckers, welcome. It's Monday, it's rough, but we are here with a case that I have no idea how it took me this long to present you this case. Like, how was this not my first episode? Maybe because it's the strongest of the cases, it isn't solved, there's a lot of speculations about it, which again begs for a question begs for it right just please please begs for a question because who am i if not a professional bullshitter who can invent her own story and her own conclusions to to it without further ado let's just dive straight in because i love everything about this I loved researching it. Do you you ever, okay, fellow podcasters, do you ever feel like when you research a case, like your guts are researching it? Your guts are like all jolly out there. Be like, "Mm -mm -mm mm-mm-mm-mm. Like your metabolism is a lot more faster that day just because you're researching something you love that much. Diving in. We are going back. To 1926, when Agatha Christie disappeared for 11 days. Over the years, many speculations to her disappearance have been offered, but today only she knows the whodunit of the events over those 11 days. We'll take into consideration her discovery, disappearance itself, and her life to the date in 1926 to try and discover the why done it. This is the story of Agatha Christie's disappearance. Instead of a minisol for you patrons, I'm just going to publish the script notes. Just because, not because it's genius and I'm speculating all the way, because there is so many newspaper articles that I have included in this, and it's beautiful. Probably taken by other sources from newspapers.org that wants my freaking social media accounts for me to access it, and I'm like, mm, I don't like giving data. Anyways. That's a personal story. So I'll be reading directly from some of the newspaper articles in 1926, which makes me insanely happy, as you can hear. Also, probably what made me study journalism. Seemed like a valid reason at the time. Now, looking back at it, maybe it was a sign that that was not probably the right degree, but hey. So, discovery. So 14th of December, at a hotel in Harrogate, Agatha Christie has been discovered under the name Teresa Neal. She was just like... Normally, chatting with other guests, she never noticed the papers with her face on it. You know, nobody ever compared her to the missing face in the papers. And she was apparently found surrounded by detective novels as well. You know, the next sentence is complete copy paste because it's so irrelevant. <laughs> It just tells you nothing. Harrogate was at the height of elegance in the 1920s and filled fashionable young things. What does fashionable young things mean? So apparently for 10 days, Agatha didn't rouse any suspicions by anybody. So she joined in the balls, dances, and some palm court entertainment. So like, basically, it's kind of like a resort. And then she enjoyed every single event that they had however then one of the banjo players recognized her so his name is Bob Teppin who alerted the police And the police then called her husband, Colonel Christie. By the way, everywhere where I've seen, colonel is pronounced like colonel or something, and I'm just like, I don't agree with that pronunciation, okay? I'm from a country where we pronounce words the way we see them. So, Archie Christie, her husband, traveled with the police to Yorkshire, and he just took a seat in the corner of the hotel's dining room, from where he just watched his estranged wife walk in, just take her place at another table, reading newspaper, which again just was showing her disappearance every single day, every single issue for those 10 days, and she was front page news, and once approached by her husband, witnesses just noted that she was puzzled, like like she did not recognize her husband to whom she was married for nearly 12 years what I put in was badass bitch, you'll see why but it's just because my whole theory clearly is that she has decided to disappear on her own and that, that she's just pretending here and I love it. I love it. I love imagining it. The title of the newspaper article that I have put after this is Mrs. Christie founded Harrogate, dramatic reunion with husband in famous Hydro her memory gone. How missing novelists spent time while police and public looked for her? The next three articles that I have are to agree with the three most common theories about her disappearance, and then we're gonna go on the night of disappearance and those whole shenanigans of trying to look for her. Theory number one is that she planned this by herself as a publicity stunt. Now, there's an article that actually says the title is Demand for Her Books Trumps, and it kind of covers another theory, but it sort of twists it in the way that she did lose her memory, so it kind of says, like, what Mrs. Christie has suffered in loss of memory has been her gain financially. At least two newspapers are publishing her novel in serial form, and book publishers have been rushing her old works to meet the demand caused by her sensational disappearance and the equally sensational search for. Again, this is the only thing that we have about this. So, as you can see, we don't have the stats, we don't have the numbers. I don't have much to be like yep, this is the... <laughs> This is the theory I want to believe in. Plus, I think it's kind of like... It could have happened without her knowledge as well. Like, even if you believe in any other theory, let's say. And she, you know, disappeared. She is obviously going to be on the front page. So, it's, of course, going to affect the sales of the books. Even if it wasn't intentional, it would have still resulted in that. Second theory is a memory loss caused by a car crash. So, this is the most repeated one out there. And there have been, obviously, psychologists and people who have seen her... And who have confirmed this also so i looked at agatha christie at her own website among like a hundred other things there's so much out there on this it's all speculations it's brilliant on her own website basically she never commented on this event but once and she only discussed the incident publicly in an interview 1928 where she gave the daily mail out of all things agatha placed so she told them she had been driving past a quarry on December 3rd, 1926, when um, she said, quote, I left the wheel and let the car run. The car struck something with a jerk and pulled up suddenly. I was flung against the steering wheel and my head hit something. Up to this moment, I was Mrs. Christie, end quote. So it again supports that thing where it's like, yep, she definitely had a loss of memory. And the way she describes it, it's like she was Mrs. Christie and then she was a completely different person. What psychologists said, um, that that this was a psychogenic trance, and out-of-body state due to stress, so they say it's a state of fugue. I've seen that all around the material that I've researched. So it's kind of like, oh, temporary memory loss. Which again, let me direct this question to the psychologists and psychiatrists of the day. Does that exist? that ever exists, like a state of fugue and sort of temporary memory loss. And how does that work, as in how do you snap out of it? How do you just then continue on writing other detective novels, and basically just continue on writing in the exact same style? And how do you suddenly know you are Mrs. Christie again? These are all the parts of that confusion where I'm like, this does not really work as a theory for me, even though it has probably the most writing and the most sources on it. But yeah, let me know. Um, And third theory and my theory is that she did plan to get away but for a different reason where we are going to go into the motive and into why, and it's going to have quite a few of um, comparisons between her writing and this disappearance as you noticed she has said her name was teresa Neal. neil is the last name of her husband's mistress Neil's dad commented for the newspaper He said "Um, I cannot hazard any theory Why Mrs. Christie should have used my family's name My daughter Nancy is naturally Upset about it and so are we all There is not the slightest reason For associating Nancy with the disappearance Of Mrs. Christie My theory is that Agatha just picked up her shit And left and I will support this With further things But she just wanted like a badass bitch To do some damage to this family Like okay husband is cheating on me great 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 he is making a fool out to me i'm the famous one here hello who are you you just served in a war (laughs) but also i can do some damage to him for 10 days in the news and i can also do it to his mistress because guess what if i suddenly show up saying my last name is neil hmm, people are going to suspect like, huh, was she the one behind it? Or like, why is a famous writer using her husband's mistress last name? I think it's a very much fuck you kind of theory. I like to call it that and I stick to it because both of them look like mugs, okay? As they say in the UK, yeah, they look like mugs in front of the whole public once the media takes the wheel again. (laughs) My next line is, and that, ladies and gents, is how you serve your husband. (laughs) I just get carried away too much when I write the script And then to finalize this chapter So she was fun, all great Basically they finally divorced And both remarried within two years and, you know, live there happily ever after, fuck this, and yeah, she just never mentioned this again, except from that one time, not even in her autobiography, nothing much, like, mentioned on her website, is just the speculation, again, no comment from her. So, uh, let's just uh, deepen my theory and others, and go into her actual disappearance. I'm opening this disappearance thing with a screenshot of her works published until then, just because I think it's important to know, like, where she was in terms of her writing career. So in 1920, she publishes The Mysterious Affair at Styles. Then she publishes a bunch of other books some short stories in the summer of 1926. She publishes The Murder of Roger Ackroyd, which is one of her best works, by the way. Go read it right now. Stop this podcast. Just kidding. Don't ever, don't ever listen to me. What are you doing? So she was just about making it. She kind of had that thing like with J.K. Rowling as well where she got different publishers rarely like one of them would start publishing her but then still she didn't have the fame that she does today or that she did with her later works. But in the early 20s life seemed to be going okay, right? So she had a daughter named Rosalind. The family moved into a mansion that they named Styles after her first she was continuing her writing career and Archie was an investment banker boring as fuck well, fuck it, fuck Archie then there's a couple of triggers that start happening so her dad actually died when she was really like when she was young but this is when her mom passes away. So after she passes away, her and her daughter go to the mother's estate for a while. When her husband just appears for her daughter's birthday, it's like, okay, cool, great stuff. And he asks her for a divorce. Read the room, Archibald. His actual name is Archibald. I'm not inventing this. <laughs> Read the room. It's First of all, it's your daughter's birthday. Second of all, your wife's mom died. Can we not? Can we just like, not a good day? Not a good day. But, if you think this is, like, okay, it's bad enough you're asking your, like, wife for divorce on this day. But he says that he is asking her for divorce because he has been seeing a woman he worked with named Nancy Neal. Because this is what you gotta do once you cheat. You gotta share everything. First name, last name, nicknames, do they have a baptized name, date of birth, address. Facilitate the woman. Facilitate her to find her and to fuck your life over this. If every cheater did this today, our lives would be so easy. You'd just, like, the cheated party would just be out there. Pulling a freaking Beyonce from Lemonade, just breaking your cards, man. You know, shitting in your garage passageway. What? Right? <laughs> that sounds like a personal story? Definitely not, okay? I say my shit for special purposes. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. I never dated anybody rich enough to have a garage. <laughs> It's enough, just be like app. Sorry, I want divorce. You don't need to specify go into every single detail and give the names. Like, stop it. Not on this day, at least. Be like, yeah, I'll elaborate on it later. I mean, it is said by other witnesses that Agatha actually wanted the marriage to work, so she followed him back home. She's like, yeah, let's work on this. And she did this in an attempt to convince him to give the marriage another chance. Instead, Arsha continues seeing his mistress and going out to weekend parties. 1920s, weekend parties. Woo, they finish at like 7pm. It's great. And then they go home and talk to his fucking wife, how he has his mistress. (sighs) Sad life, okay. On December 3rd, 1926, he went to one such weekend house party. Ugh, this is even sadder. House parties in 1920s. when booze was there even? Better was not Guinness. (laughs) Commentary on this. So, he left the wife and daughter home. And it's also speculated that they had argument this night as well, and he's like, nah, fuck this, can't deal with this, I'm gonna go out, party hard, yeah? Don't let your issues unresolved, okay? If my great-granny told me anything, that's that. So, after he leaves, Agatha writes three notes. One, to her secretary, to cancel all of her weekend plans. Another one to Archie, and the third one to her brother-in-law. Pay attention to this, because those notes might come into importance later, okay? Again, a lot of speculations, but they're important. After she writes these notes, she takes a small traveling case and drives off and her car would only be found the next morning crashed above a quarry with her driver's license and clothes being left behind so again what speculate is that after that they had the argument how many letters of those she has written and that she has gone to the room to kiss her daughter goodbye this is how i imagine it yeah her husband it's like probably like 7 pm yeah 7:30. he's coming back from this weekend party wild stayed up so late he's coming in he's like oh where the fuck is my wife why is she not just there cooking for me and you know being faithful faithful little wife while i'm cheating and going around publicly like a mug so the next morning he's like it's okay she's probably around i'm not even gonna look around the house (laughs) yeah and so the next morning the police is called and they go to the styles mansion and talk to her secretary and daughter and neither of them knew where agatha left and the next sentence says they drug the pond so like after initial searches for agatha there's a no clues show up and then there was a typo in this medium article that i was reading it says they drug the pond near where she crashed then they drug it again After nothing was found. The way I imagine this is that, like, police is just putting some drugs into the pond. There's a method of finding the bodies. It's just like, yep, they're just gonna come out. The outline is just gonna show where the body is and then the divers can just go there. Imagine if the science actually came up with this, you know? It's like, oh, how is 2020 gonna look like? Yep, we're gonna have a drug that we put in a pond and it outlines all of the corpses in there. Hmm? Nope. No, coronavirus. That's what fucking happened in 2020. So now witnesses start coming forward, saying that they've seen Agatha after she left the Styles mansion. So one of them said that they were on the way to work on December the 4th and just passed a woman sitting next to her car on the road and she seemed upset. He noticed she was only wearing a thin dress even though it was quite cold outside so he said he had helped her start the car and then she drove off in the opposite direction where she would crash just a short while later. And then there is other witnesses that apparently said that she has been seen getting onto a train and that she seemed disorientated. So the main theory is that she dropped off the car and then took with the train to Harrogate. From then on, she was staying at this spa slash hotel. One thing that I haven't found in many places, I think I've only seen it in one, is that she left, like, the driving lessons, the code, so that's all there. But one article says that there was also a bottle labeled poison, lead, and opium abandoned on the back seat. So again, trying to speculate, did she kill herself, did she jump off the bridge, did she poison herself and then just walk on to freeze to death? Out of everything, in my professional opinion, this is the part that didn't need any speculation. Because if you were to have poison in your possession, right, you wouldn't name the bottle poison. (laughs) Like Mr. Obvious much, why would you name your bottle poison and opioids? Like, at best, like, you would name it what it actually was. Like, hey, some codeine, you know, or just, like, codes on the sly. Like, give it a slang, give it something. Plus, it's Agatha. Like, she wouldn't have just named it poison. Boring as fuck. She's an author, guys. A lot, a lot of speculations. Which weren't helped by who they involved to try to investigate this. So, the next line says the Home Secretary, William Winston Hicks. You know, the Home Secretary of the UK at the time. You know him, everybody knows him. <laughs> yeah, even Google how he looks like to make any fucking reasonable comment. Urged the police to make faster progress in finding her. God, I love the politicians that urge somebody, but they don't actually do shit. But... They involved other two crime writers, because, of course, who is gonna know what is going on in her head if not other crime writers that write about completely different stories? Sir Arthur Conan Doyle was involved. You will know enough about Doyle if you just read Sherlock Holmes. Because you just know that this guy is going to have the same prepotentious thing just because how he displayed Sherlock. It was hoped that his specialist knowledge is going to help find a missing writer. I truly love the next paragraph. Arthur Conan Doyle, a keen oculist, try using paranormal powers to solve the mystery. What he does is he takes one of her gloves. Again, why do you let? Why? Always gloves. Why gloves in the OJ case? Why gloves here? Listen, we know the glove always fits. We've seen OJ. OJ was guilty, by the way, yeah? And now he's offering professional opinion slash advice on Twitter. If he thinks Carol Baskin did it, I mean, he's a professional. Yeah. Also, if you f- think that Carol Baskin killed her husband, you agree with something with OJ Simpson. Okay, let that just sink in for a second. Also, who gave this guy gloves? Don't let him into the house. So he took the glove to a celebrated medium in the hope that this would provide the answer. So it's basically like one of those juju magic things where it's like yeah you tell me where is the owner of this glove as if so that yields no fucking results so the police is back to square one they're like oh you didn't really help did you mate go back write about the guy that can actually solve mysteries yeah okay stop pretending that you can go and fit that part another thing that fed the speculations was that close to the scene of the car accident was a natural spring known as the silent pool where it was said the two young children have died so obviously, journalists take the wheel and they're like, yep, she must have drowned herself there. Because, again, people have seen her, like, they have said that she looked upset. She was clearly not in her right mind. She was outside with a thin dress in this cold. La-di-da-di-da. Okay. Oh a bit of speculating, but they fucking dug the pond and it turned out nothing. So now, after three days of searching for her, there's an article that pops into the newspapers and apparently the police kind of calls off the searches because it was said that Christie's brother-in-law received a letter from her saying she was going to a Yorkshire spa for rest and treatment. The article is titled "Message Ends Hunt for Mrs. Christie." Writer explains disappearance in England by saying she went to health resort. So the paragraph in this newspaper article says, quote, "The county authorities late tonight decided to discontinue the search. It was announced that the missing woman had been heard from." The brother of Colonel Archibald Christie, who lives in London, it was explained, this is so written 1920s style, it was explained, had received a letter written since her disappearance in which the novelist said that she had been in ill health and was going to a Yorkshire spa for rest and treatment. Now, why write to your brother-in-law? Again, if you're not trying to make your husband kind of looked shady and looked like a mug also, the brother-in-law destroyed this letter. So the police just went in and was like, oh, hey, we heard, you know, you you had a letter. And was like, "Mm mm-mm, it was destroyed. Oh, sorry, uh, just before you came by, I just burnt it into the fireplace. No reason at all. What happened to the other two letters, you might wonder? Well... Apparently, the one to her secretary, she was just really ambiguous, but she said, like, she must get away. And there was another thing, another story that sort of supported this, like, urge to get away, which came from this article saying that it quoted one of her friends, where she apparently said that the house they lived at at Sunningdale was getting on her nerves said that the, uh, apparently Christie said the house had a reputation of being haunted and that she said to this friend if I do not leave Sunningdale soon Sunningdale will be the end of me so again at least that letter exists and we sort of have something supporting it. The third letter, which was to her husband and Colonel Christie, well he apparently refused to reveal his content. So there was nothing saying like oh he destroyed it again, he burnt it in a fucking fireplace or something. No, so like sorry, what say you, husband of Agatha? Like you just the police just comes in and he's like oh I refuse to reveal his content. Uh sorry what? Like in this whole case I was just so frustrated how they treated her husband i know that he's like a respectable figure okay i get all of that but still come on like the husband is always the first suspect like it doesn't seem from anything that i read that they like truly grilled him that they taken him like properly into consideration they just clear him like oh yeah yeah he's a cheater he was just out outside partying while his husband disappeared so yeah he doesn't have anything to do with it but then like how do you not like sort of grill him more to reveal this letter so in this newspaper article that was published on december the 10th so this is literally just about like a few days before they found her so it mentions the letters and then the justification is colonel christie refused to reveal its contents stating it was personal note written evidently before his wife dis- to get away so that doesn't make your case any stronger if it's a personal like what listen we all know it's not like she was suddenly, like, giving him, like, writing him some fucking erotic story, okay? <laughs> we all know it is not, like, something sexual that you can't expose to the fucking police. So she was pissed off at you. This is probably some angry ass note. Why did nobody grill him about this? So as you could see, because most of my sources are literally newspaper articles, media took the wheel pretty quickly. One of my favorite things, though... Is this article which just has Mrs. Christie disguised and then, like, just has three pictures of her of how she would have disguised herself differently? One of them is just like with some fake wig and glasses. I mean, because there were some articles circulated that she was actually like dressed as a man and this is how she was disguising herself. But I just love whoever, whoever like sketched these is my hero. Just the hero of the week. Just because they changed her whole features, like, all of them are shadowed. It's like, you know, when somebody takes a selfie of you and half of it is in the sun and half of it is in the shade That's how all of them look like (laughs) So it's just like the features don't even resemble her. I love it so much Now we have the media coverage and the most details about this story Let's go into her background up until that day to see like what might have triggered this disappearance Something that nobody takes into consideration is that Agatha was born as the youngest child. Youngest out of three. To a family that was quite well-off, so like they were, her parents were busy socialites. Her dad is actually described, I think this is Wikipedia. A gentleman of substance. What the fuck does that mean? Does it mean that he was no-nonsense man? One of my other favorite expressions. I mean, to kind of explain to you this, like, she has actually even been homeschooled, which is a huge trigger, if you're me, I just don't condone homeschooling in any way, shape, or form, or reason, okay? I even had, like, very, very intense conversations at work where I would just be like, no, tell me why. Please explain yourself. Why are you homeschooling your child, okay? Everybody, parents, during the school on the virus time, you understand, right? <laughs> you wouldn't fucking homeschool your child, you would go crazy, right? You're going crazy right now, aren't you? So why the fuck would you do it? I think like this kind of plays into the psychology of it. Clearly, again, not a psychologist, but hey. As I mentioned before, like there were quite a few triggers just before her disappearance one of them happened when she was 11 years old when her dad died which she said that it marked the end of her childhood you had agatha who was before that like quite carefree she was said to have had imaginary friends you know she was like quite like a typical child like innocently playing on the streets etc and then it's kind of like her childhood ended abruptly at the age of 11 so she was writing for her from her young days and she married archie who was the pilot for the army at the time in 1912 the two of them both worked for the army during the war so she volunteered as a nurse and this is where her knowledge of poisons comes to play mm. and also during the second world war she worked as a pharmacy assistant at university college hospital in london it Says updating her knowledge of toxins while contributing to the war effort oh, so poetically written so nice so her war service ends when Archie was reassigned to London and they rent a flat in St. John's Wood. St. John's Wood, even today, doesn't have much going on. It's just like a nice little area in West London, just for non UK listeners, which is pretty much everybody except my friends here. <laughs> well, hi, US. Shout out to the US. And just to put things into perspective, it's still one of the most expensive areas to live in London. It's just kind of like because of the proximity to Soho, with Marble Arch and all of that. But yeah, it's quite a plain area if you really think about it. It's just like, oh, because we are here, you know, we can rent you a cupboard for like a thousand dollars. A thousand pounds a month. Moving on and then as i mentioned so she gets some taste of fame she publishes like a couple of books but it was the final trigger when her mother died in april 1926 because they have been exceptionally close they actually went on a trip just before her death as well so she died of arthritis it is said that that loss sent christine to depression so this is again for those who um sort of more believe into The loss of memory theory. Because you might believe that it caused her to go into a breakdown. For me, these triggers are definitely relevant. But again, more in a way where it's like, okay, I couldn't control the fact that my parents died. I couldn't control these triggers this year. But, hello, husband, like, you didn't want to work on a marriage, just wanted to continue your affair. Didn't have any consideration for me so what i'm gonna do is make you think about that for about 10 11 days and one final trigger was in august 1926 where archie asked christie for divorce he has said he had fallen in love with nancy Neal, and this is finally later that year culminated with her disappearance now before we go to motive obviously with this story it was a perfect opportunity to have two little small mini sections (laughs) mini interludes with one will be her quotes and then the other one is going to be what have we learned from the life of Agatha Christie okay I just love her quotes quote number one very few of us are what we seem tell more Agatha tell more quote two one of the luckiest things that can happen to you in life is I think to have a happy childhood yes Agatha yes girl this is why I cover a lot of people who don't have unhappy childhood this is why there's a whole niche of podcasts on it You got it, you got it. Quote three. Every murderer is probably somebody's old friend. And this, Agatha, is why this podcast has started. Because why do people kill? They're all somebody's friend. We all are mocking somebody else's friend. Because they're just (laughs) senselessly killing. And the fourth quote, which I think kind of is self-explanatory when it comes to her disappearance as well. Crime is terribly revealing. Try and vary your methods as you will, your tastes, your habits, your attitude of mind, and your soul is revealed by your actions. Again, what were you telling us, Sagata, all of this time? You were revealing something with your actions, weren't you? And I cracked it, haven't I? The morals of this story, or what have we learned, or what should we take away section? Number one, never give up. I put, like, this is where I took this chapter, that I, this uh, paragraph that I haven't even mentioned. She was initially an unsuccessful writer with six consecutive rejections, but this changed when The Mysterious Affair at Styles was published in 1920, featuring Hercule Poirot. Yeah, just like Harry Potter. Never, never give up until you get it published, until you get there, okay? Never, never. By the way, <laughs> in my research, um, before starting this podcast, in my, like, Rabbit hole of like, hey, what equipment should you use? You know, where should you publish? So I went into this Reddit thread. I don't even like Reddit. I don't even read Reddit. I don't get it. Anyways, there's this Reddit thread which said like most podcasts don't even go beyond um, episode 16. So hey, look at us. Look at us. <laughs> look at us succeeding yet. They haven't canceled us yet. How successful. <laughs> I don't know why that number, but hey, if anybody's listening by the way and they're planning to start a podcast, or start any project really famous or not okay whoever you are like what you need to ask yourself is if you're down the line however many years down the line you still are not profiting from it there's like no money would you still do something like would you still do it for free because if not maybe i mean maybe yeah you're famous and you know you're gonna profit out of it straight away but maybe it's not the most it's not the project you're most passionate about she gets to the episode sixteen and feels entitled to give advice, you know. Second moral of the story never settle for a cheater. Find someone you can use. What? <laughs> I get so carried away. Okay, okay, I'll explain. Following her second marriage. Following her second marriage in nineteen thirty to an archaeologist, she used um her first hand knowledge of her husband's profession in her fiction. She did with like the Second World War and the poisons, and when she was a nurse, because she followed Archie around as well. Basically, okay, it's just never settle for a cheater, okay? Don't, ignore the other part. Don't tell them my advice to find somebody you can use, <laughs> for fuck's sake. And the third one is surround yourself with powerful women. Women power, yeah. So she described her childhood as very happy. She was surrounded by a series of strong and independent women from an early age. So she primarily lived in Devon with her parents, but then would also visit the homes of her step-grandmother and great-aunt Margaret Miller in Ealing. And she was also inspired by her maternal grandmother that was in Bayswater. So this is, like, her connection to London and to all these powerful women. And this is why Miss Maple came around, which, again, is just one of the detectives that nobody cares about. Everybody cares about Poirot. Like, guys, I don't know some quality fiction, okay? (laughs) Now, let's break down the theories and the motives behind them. I put these theories in the order from like the least plausible to the most plausible for me okay you guys you know where to find me to let me know your opinions let's let's discuss this in the last place i put the amnesia just because it was again showed up and spit out and, and there's nothing truly for me supporting it except from like some people who have examined her after being like oh yeah she lost her memory based on what again like based on her giving the last name of the husband's mistress for me that's actually going against it because first of all where is the first name from like why choose that first name also why out of all of the random last names you choose the name of the last name of the mistress so sorry like how much of a coincidence is that it's exactly because of that it's like her husband was open about her name and last name And then she uses that exact last name when when found at the hotel. So for me, that actually goes really very much against this theory. But also, it's all of, like, that proceeds and goes after it. So, like, how short of an amnesia period that was? Because she just continued writing straight after that and published, like, her next book, I think, in, like, about a year. I think it was 1928. But again, it follows the same style of writing so what like you're telling me she was rereading her books to understand again how she was writing I don't, I don't buy it also then at what exact time did she lose the memory was it when she hit the steering wheel because then why take the train to the known location where you and your husband used to stay at this spa before or are you saying that she lost the memory once she was already there I just really don't buy into this theory tell me what like if you're convinced this is it what convinced you into it Oh, and also, what goes to this is that we have no details of this car accident, except from her saying that she hit the steering wheel. I bet that we would have had pictures of a destroyed car, so if something was just pulled in a ditch, that doesn't necessarily mean an accident. Like, what car was hit? There's no further, like, investigation into this. Me to be like, okay, she had an accident, she had a concussion. Uh, In second place, I have the publicity stunt. I find this more plausible not because of that one article but because Just I think it's common sense for somebody to know, like, if they were to disappear willingly, that this, and if they're even remotely famous, this is going to be front-page news, people are going to be on it, and then obviously somebody, you know, today you would Google that person and be like, ah, who is this? Oh my god, look at this, she has books. Let me see what she writes about, can I solve this myself, can I go into this myself? And back then, it was obviously like, oh, let me actually go and buy this book to see all of this. And this is partially also, like, the fuck you thing, because it's like, oh, look at this, like, you rejected me six times before, like, my book got published, and now I am still seeking fame, which I deserve, but am not being given. So I'm just gonna skedaddle for a minute and then let you guys, let the media do the... (laughs) Let the media just do me some justice. And now, in the number one place, the fuck you theory, the out-of-spy theory, the jealousy theory, whichever you want to say that motivated this. But yeah, I think it's kind of a mix of all of these. And let me tell you why I think this was motivated by it. So, one of it is Mistress's last name. Again, why use it? Why use that last name? Another one is actually how she moved on from it. Like, how nonchalantly she just never mentioned it ever. Like, why not? If it was actually amnesia, if, like if it's something that people can reason with, can really understand, why not actually speak about it and explain it in further detail? I know you don't have to, that's the thing. Like, you can be a badass bitch and never mention it and let other people speculate and, you know, make fucking podcasts about it. But that for me kind of aligns with either that she was doing it for publicity reasons or that she was doing it for the, (laughs) my husband's gonna look a bit like a mug reasons. Then again, everybody was like, oh, she wouldn't have left her daughter behind. Well, I don't think she was exactly, if this was the theory, if this was what actually happened, like, she knew she wasn't leaving her daughter behind. First of all, like, she was in care of the maids, of the husband, of other people that lived at the premises of the mansion. And it's exactly that, like if because she gave no explanation, so I think like in her mind this was just a temporary thing until well the media resources dries until somebody recognizes her. So like she knew this was going to be a short while because somebody is eventually going to recognize her face. So she knew she wasn't just leaving her daughter like in some sort of agony. Then we have the letters, because what kind of defies for me uh, the other two theories is those letters or rather how people reacted to them. Or how they wouldn't actually say what those letters state, which would have kind of like either accepted or denied the other theories for me. For me, it kind of says like, hey, I wrote a letter to brother-in-law, and I wrote it to my husband, and none of them is going to actually reveal what's in them, so that's going to make those two characters look really shady, which again is just going to enhance that whole thing of, like, was it a mistress? Was it the husband's mistress They had anything to do with it? Or was it her husband as well? And what I think a lot of people that speculate on this ignore is her actual fiction and, like, parallels, or lack thereof, when it comes to her disappearance. So her mysteries are always solved, right? The detective usually gets together the community to sort of, like, arouse suspicions gets other people against each other if you know about like her fiction about what Poirot usually does in the books and the person responsible is usually the most obvious one that you kind of lose track of during during the reading experience just because it's like this is too obvious but it is usually that person that's behind it you know, read between the lines, I gotta hear. In all of her books, once the truth is revealed, then order is restored, chaos packs away, everything you know, lives there happily ever after. So I think that's why she was so keen on that amnesia theory to, to last. Because it provided a great explanation to the family and to whoever wondered. And then she was actually like, yeah, yeah, totally I'm definitely happy. While she had her, oh, fuck you, bye guys, bye, I'll see you later of uh, experience. But also from her books, like you usually always focus on what you can't solve, which is where the media jumped in and went into her favor. So the car, what happened to it? Why, if it has been in the accident, why is there no car crash scenes? What was found in the car? Where did she go afterwards? When did this actually happen? When did she leave the car? How did she get to her spa slash resort in the first place? Because there are multiple accounts again of this. Why was she all happy? That's one thing that goes into my theory. Why was she all happy dancing, ignoring the fact that it's definitely her freaking face that she sees on the newspaper things? Even if you are suddenly having amnesia, you would probably go to the reception desk and be like, Oh sorry, um doesn't this person look like myself to you? Like huh, ah, that's that's one odd comparison. Oh I have a doppelganger. Yeah, yeah, I probably would. But she was all happy like dancing and ignoring the fact that anything has happened to her so again if you are a person with an amnesia suddenly finding yourself in a random nice ass hotel that you apparently can pay for mm-hmm, again how how do you like connect those dots especially like i guess if you are amnesia like if you have amnesia like you don't know you are a mystery writer but you find yourself somewhere you're like oh i'm here by myself for 10 days for however long, however many days she was there, but probably between like eight and 10 at least. I'm here, I don't have a family here, I'm by myself. Can anybody explain that? I don't think that people, I mean, again, let me know if I'm wrong, but like if you get amnesia, do you lose parts of your personality that are naturally like inquisitive, all about this mystery and finding out, like solving things? Because that to me is like super suspicious, the fact that like, oh, she was just acting like, yep, she's just there happy-go-lucky on holiday, while apparently having, like, lost her mind. And another thing that all of her books focus on is there's always a motive. So even before who done it, we discover the why done it, and then, like, everything is clear and resolved. Something that might support the publicity theory is that this motive is usually money. So usually the killers in her books don't enjoy murder just for its own sake. It is usually some... Um, monetary profit that they are looking for. So for me, what definitely prevailed in this theory is if we are comparing it to her writing style that, that there must have been a motive, there must have been something that motivated her to snap that night, leave those three letters and get out in the car. I mean, because if not, at some of those points, you're going to realize hey, I'm leaving like my daughter husband behind, let's get my shit together, let's go back to it. Why did I just write all these three letters? Like, it's a long process, right? Especially in the 1920s, and how, like, how long would it take you to write one letter, second, third, go into your slow-ass car, drive anywhere, then, like, if she actually, what was witnessed, like, she took the train and then had, like, whole ten days at the location. So I think for all of that to happen, there ha- had to be a motive. And for me, spite prevails over publicity and over her book sale. And it's that parallel as well, that she needs to have a motive in those stories, and then the who done it is literally left as the last reveal. It is usually, for the whole duration of the book, it is up to the readers to speculate on it. So here it is just still left up in the air as the ultimate fuck you by Agatha Christie. I love you so much, Agatha, I hope you are in heaven and uh, living your best, best life. Because I had respect for your literature, and now I have so much more respect just because of this disappearance. (laughs) So that's the case. Let me know which, well, conspiracy theory slash theory you agree with, what convinced you to sort of agree with it. Do you agree with me? Because this is kind of like an invented one. Nobody really was like, oh yeah, she was a jealous girl who is doing stuff out of spite. Except for me, (laughs) who lived quite intense high school experience. Maybe, maybe that's why, you know? But, like, I really see some parallels between her fiction and her disappearance. And I really think this is it, guys. I think I cracked it. (laughs) The sources for this podcast have been... History Extra, what you might have missed in History Class podcast. What the French Toast, which is this great YouTube channel. There is a lot of YouTube content, obviously, out there as well. Which I'm kind of going down the rabbit hole during this quarantine but yeah this is just like oh newspaper articles speculations obviously i watched it and i was looking for the one with the most ridiculous channel name so hey what the french toast won it's actually great watch it historic uk article wikipedia crime reads great article on crime Reads. agatha christie's own website this medium article called agatha christie real life mysterious disappearance and New York Times, which kind of gives you a perfect timeline, like I love how this story made to New York Times straight away as well, it says Agatha Christie vanished 11 days. It kind of gives you like a great timeline of the events, so it's like actually date by date, what was published, yeah, what was happening like a date by date, so that you can kind of like break it down easily for your own convenience. <laughs> what am I saying? Okay, I'm gonna post the script notes on patreon so you can see all of the beautiful newspaper articles as well <laughs> i suddenly said it like as if i'm going into a burp which i probably am okay do, do you want the burps recorded oh of course you don't i hope you love that case you know where to find me to comment on it dad bam pod twitter pod at gmail.com gmail inbox data stolen <laughs> i don't steal data okay <sighs> it's been enough for one day it's been enough code uh, by uh, moving on next section let's go okay inventing another rapid fire round for this week yeah one true crime recommendation one not true crack bri- re- ro- <laughs> okay good. this is going great so far one non-true crime recommendation and as a last thing a random question that i'm gonna answer yep yeah? let's do this so True Crime Recommendations for this week. I don't know how it has taken me two fucking years, because this is how long these girls have been producing this podcast. But listen to Sinisterhood. It's epic. It's like these two comedians from Dallas. So like, it is really funny. It's again, true crime comedy, okay? So don't just expect people to tell a story in a boring ass way. But yeah, it's epic. And their artwork, like, their podcast artwork is just so great. I was just like, this is the life. This is, uh, this is it. And I hope, like, somebody else listens to them in the UK, as in a lot of people, so that they can come here to do a live show, because that would be the dream, okay? So it's, like, all sorts of cases. It's not just uh, murder. It's not just murder. Um, it is, like, disappearances, random haunted stuff. You know, they have it all. Listen to them non-true crime. Okay, this is random, but as I get a lot of newsletters, let me start uh, suggesting some, recommending some. So there's this one that I get, it's called Postcard of the Day. It's by Condnast, or however you pronounce that company's name. So I think if you go onto their website and just type in Postcard of the Day, that it should come up. And yeah, it's just that thing where I'm like, yep, every day in the inbox I get postcard of a place and it comes like with a little article. So if it is like a beach in Spain, it will be like where it is, you know, like a proper article from Condé website. Also, on that note, if you are a Reddit person, and you know, you do the R forward slash, you know what that's all about, I don't, uh, and type in Earth porn, yep, you can, you have like daily images of the places around the world, so you know, just if you have the nostalgia of actually getting the fuck out of your location, yeah, that's your thing for the week. Now, on to the random question, let's do this weird thing. Hello? Husband? ask me a question just a random question it's for the podcast uh, what episode of the podcast are you on seriously as if they can't see that they can see that when did we get married when did we get married yeah that's the question you want to answer oh, um, uh, what would you do if you were a millionaire okay cool i'll I'll sit on that one okay, okay. thanks bye, bye. Okay, first thing that I would do if I were a millionaire, I would play that fucking song by Bruno Mars. (laughs) Even though it's a billionaire, isn't it? I don't know what the song says. Anyway, so that's the first thing i do. And then I'd actually hire some people to make this podcast a freaking business so that I never work for The Office again and never work for the man. Even though, you know, in a lot of senses I would always be working for the man. (sighs) Let me not go into that, okay. Also, just so it doesn't look like I'm bailing out of the question, I married for almost three and a half years, yeah? I'm not gonna share the anniversary date, like it's not necessary. But it's a long ass time. What would you do if you were a millionaire? And what random questions would you like me to answer? That's it for this episode. Are catacristic conspiracy theories? Send them to me. Your husband's questions to me, send them to me. Just kidding, don't. I'm not, not not striking a fight between people in quarantine. Fuck that. Your random questions to me, send them my way. You know where to find me. And now, you are going into your next Zoom call. What are you doing? What are you doing in there? Are you setting up the weird-ass background behind you just because you can? Just because Zoom has that option and your company paid extra for that dumb thing? Are you chatting about what you're doing this quarantine? Like anybody cares? Like it's exciting? Or are you sharing motives behind famous crimes and conspiracies that only you believe in, but you can convince somebody else to believe in? You go in there and be a god-bam conspiracy theorist. That's right. That's how you use that expression. Go into that Zoom call and convince them. By all means necessary. Fuck it. And by doing that, you are making this world a better place. One motive at a time. I always believed in you. I always said it. Always believed in you. Okay? That's it. That's it. Maya signing the fuck out. Keep being the badass bitch like Agatha was in the 1920s. Okay? Always have that back of your head this week. That's it. That's it. Bye, fuckers.